Welcome to a special edition of What's Next, Cornet Global's podcast that puts members on the mic for thought-provoking, profession-shaping conversations and commentary. In this episode, recorded during our 2019 Global Summit in Hong Kong, Veldhoen and Company's managing partner, Yolanda Meehan, and senior workplace consultant, Vina Saya, explore activity-based workplaces in the Asia-Pacific region. Hi, everybody. We are here in Hong Kong, uh, enjoying a beautiful day. Um, and what better location to choose than uh, Hong Kong in order to speak about activity-based working in Asia? Uh, I've got here Dina with me. Um, we'll do a quick introduction of who we are, and then we'll kick off with talking about is activity-based working at all a potential solution for driving reform in Asia in general. So, Dina, hello. How are you? Hi, everybody. My name is Dina Sire. I'm working for Feltoen and Company as a senior workplace strategist. Prior to that, I was working for Lego for five and a half years, where I led the change from a traditional-based working environment to an activity-based working environment for over 350 of the employees. I'm now working with Yolanda Mihan as part of the Veltoen and Company Southeast Asia branch and I'll hand it over to her again to share a little bit more about what she's doing in Asia. Thanks Dina. Right so I'm Yolanda, I'm Yolanda Mihan. I'm the uh, partner for Felhun and Company here in Asia. Um, what Felhun does very quickly we basically support companies to transition from traditional ways of working to new ways of working and we've been doing this for the last 30 years or so. Um, myself I've been in Asia for the last 10 years and have seen um, different companies trying to drive transformation and change. Um, and I'm hoping that I'm able to share with you in the next, whatever, 15 minutes or so, some of our learnings. Great. So, Yolanda, to start us off, could you share some of the trends and observations that you've been seeing in the Asia market? Yeah. So we see, from at least from a workplace point of view, that um, workplace starts to play quite an important role in driving employer value proposition. Um, of course, you m maybe have heard already of the rise of the co-working, and I think the presence of co-working is also driving a little bit more the realization that people are looking for choice, that people are looking at being empowered uh, in order to actually drive entrepreneurship and increase own accountability on the way of working. Um, millennials play a huge role in this part of the world. For those of you that maybe are not aware, Southeast Asia is home to one of the largest populations of millennials in the world. Uh, about 20% of the people working here um, are between 15 and 25 years old, so it's a very young population. Of course, not all countries, so some like Japan have got a bit more of mature population, but generally we've got quite a lot of millennials. Um, and they drive a slightly different uh, expectation from work, right? Um, and then also, an, I th would say another one, engagement levels have been slowly rising over the past few years. Traditionally, Asia was struggling with quite a lot of low engagement numbers. Um, but I think more and more companies are realizing that the value of employee engagement is quite high, especially in driving overall productivity and performance of an organization. Um, so maybe like uh, just to drive a little bit into activity-based working. Dina, when, uh, based on your experience, how would you define activity-based working in your own words, right, before we go into the technicalities of it? Absolutely. I think that um, when I first heard about activity-based working, my initial understanding was that it was more about a philosophy uh, that allows people to work anywhere, everywhere, at any location, at any time. 
But I think now through my experience at Lego and working as a senior workplace consultant, I think what I understand it to be now is a much deeper transformation initiative that transcends the physical, the virtual and the behavioral spheres of an organization into truly working and thinking in a more holistic way. So I think it's more as a holistic concept as opposed to just uh, a physical change or a, or a organizational change program. I hope that answers your question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's great. That's great. <laughs> I think there's so many different kinds of explanations and abbreviations for it. And I think that's also one of the areas in the organization that's uh, a little bit uh, confusing because there are many uh, abbreviations and understandings of it. Uh, I think what, uh, what really interests me a little bit more is to find out what, uh, from the companies that you've worked with, mm. what are the re main reasons that companies are embracing activity-based working? Um, we always think that it could be just uh, an easy way of renovating your office, but are there more deeper uh, transformations that are required? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so a few years ago, maybe 20 years ago, a lot of companies were embarking on activity-based working as a way for them to save costs and to maybe create some new cool offices. Um, we've been seeing now in the last few years that the drive for activity-based working is much more around uh, talent attraction and retention, especially attracting the younger generations uh, and offering a lot of... Um, options for the younger generations. Uh, we see that a lot actually with companies, especially from banks and insurance companies and pharma, which typically we would think are a bit more traditional, but they are fighting quite a big war on talent. Um, we're starting to see more companies caring about the work life of their own employees mm. because they see the connection with employee overall productivity. Mm. Uh, many companies are embarking on ABW from a need to increase their own innovation, uh, speed of innovation, quality of innovation, Um, some of them are going on activity-based working because they want to really break the silos and drive collaboration across teams. Mm. Um, and then last but not least, I would say more and more companies are starting on this journey of just embarking and, uh, to ABW or in a new way of working to instill just an agile mindset in the business, right? So for the businesses, the employees and the leaders to just become Uh, more agile, just given the complexity of the environment and of the work that we're all carrying out now. Yeah, that's really interesting. So in your experience for Asian leaders, what do you think are their major concerns uh, as opposed to, to Western leaders, let's say? I wouldn't necessarily categorize East versus West, but there are a few things that we're spending a little bit more time on uh, with leaders here in Asia. Um, this would be, for example, making the clear link between activity-based working and uh, business priorities. Sometimes that link is not always immediately visible. Um, sometimes I think with the speed that the way things are moving in Asia, suspending judgment to truly see what activity-based working or new ways of working could mean for an organization is a tough one to do. But it's extremely important that you don't just jump to a solution, that you're allowing yourself as an organization time enough to see how yeah, your organization could be transformed by just changing the way people work. And that's a very deep change. Um, another thing is because people are very busy in Asia, you know, people cover a few countries, they spread themselves quite thin among various offices. Do they really have enough time? time not only yeah. and everything else. <laughs> um, do they have enough time not only to just uh, understand and uh, go through the process themselves, but also adjusting their leading style, mm. right? So in activity-based working, if you want to empower your employees, you need to move a bit away from, I just manage by 
because by seeing you in the office and by presence in the office, I want to manage much more by outcomes and results. Um, leaders would need to spend a bit more time in uh, learning how to share their knowledge as opposed to keep the knowledge to themselves, mm -hmm. right? So that's something we, s we see a bit more of a struggle with. And also just uh, overall distributing the leadership, distributing the whole decision-making that is not in the hands of one or few people, but it becomes something the yeah, multiple layers of the employees can be involved in. Um, we spend a bit more time with the leaders in Asia on these topics. And I mean, for the last two years, you've had great experience working on ABW projects in Japan, uh, predominantly. Could you, could you share some of the experiences there? I mean, d does that work in Japan, even considering they're very... Um, different. <laughs> I wanted to use a different <laughs> word. Sorry, do we go back? I want inherent culture. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah? Could I do that question again? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there was like, ah, man, culture. Um, okay, ready? Okay. Um, so that's that's very interesting. I think, especially over the last two years, you've been working on a lot of ABW projects in Japan. Could you share some of your experiences there? Especially, you know, does ABW work uh, in a culture like Japan has? Yeah, you know, I was um, maybe a few years ago also not necessarily would have not nominated Japan as the major uh, country where activity-based working would actually pick up in. Um, but now you have a couple of things playing there, right? So there is an aging population. Uh, people typically are just working very long hours and unfortunately they've got quite a high level of uh, suicide committing to overwork. Uh, the Prime Minister Abe is now trying to drive quite a lot of work style reform. Um, to change and to bring also more women into the workforce, which require recognition of the fact that people need to be flexible in order to uh, manage different aspects of their life, not just working. Um, so I think Japan is at one of these moments where a couple of factors are potentially making it a bit more interesting and a bit more ready to embrace a new way of working. If I just look at my, my personal learnings, right, so they don't, please don't apply them overall as the rule, golden rule for Japan, but the personal learnings would be that in a typical ABW project, you want to have a very clear vision why you're doing this and the direction and the aspirations uh, that you want to set for the change. Uh, in Japan, you would need to supplement this vision with quite a lot of detailed end state and quite a detailed roadmap um, just to make sure that the process is very clear and transparent. Um, like in other cultures, uh, driving uh, workplace transformation and work style transformation in Japan requires also an integral program management mm. that is not just one function like real estate driving it, but there is a commonality of HR, IT, real estate and business that uh, are sort of driving it. And there is always like a good maths behind it. So mm. the numbers are calculated, that good data collection is happening to be able to give confidence in the fact that the end result will be, uh, will be uh, successful. Um, in all the projects, buying in from the leadership is very important. I think in Japan, we almost see like you need to have the leaders involved, so top-down approach, but also bottom-up, because actually no decisions are taken without uh, having them socialized and bought in by all the levels of the organization. And also, I would say, middle-up. So leadership at all levels needs to be involved. Mm. Um, you need to basically map the whole organization network and identify where are the potential change blockers. I think in Japan, that's a very important step in trying to drive successful change. And like pretty much everywhere else, uh, technology is important and having a change process that is obviously tailored to the local culture. Um, 
And I would say as the last element specifically for Japan, the empowerment, the explicit empowerment of the employees needs to happen. So it's mm. not sufficient to, you know, to tell people, yes, now everybody's empowered, make choices, but that you're explicitly doing it and repeatedly doing it and lead by example so that everybody actually uh, sees that it's an accepted thing. Um, yeah, so I think we've spoken a little bit about Japan, but I would actually be curious, given your experience with Lego, uh, and there was Lego in Singapore, um, you have a unique position, right? So you've been with Lego during their entire transformation, you drove uh, quite a lot of steps yeah, and leading right. it. Um, what were your biggest takeouts, right? Because everybody loves Lego. Uh, <laughs> I don't think everybody has a deep insight into how Lego went through a transformation to activity-based working. Yeah, just reflecting on the things that you were mentioning about Japan, I uh, think definitely leadership is, is exactly where it needs to be. The, the support and the longevity of the belief of the why, um, that's incredibly important. That's what sustains you right from the beginning during, if we couldn't call it the, the honeymoon period and mm. the excited period of why we're we doing something, right through all the challenges that, that, that take place from the beginning to, to the continuing of the journey. Uh, the sustainability of the project is not necessarily just um, embedding activity-based working or new way of working as a way of thinking within the company's culture, but also embedding it in terms of how operationally the companies run, like right from the from the from the IT, the um, real estate, from the facilities management, uh, right through to the HR, the recruitment processes. Everybody needs to be thinking, like I said in the beginning, in the definition of ABW of the holistic way. It's it's not just um, a, a cut, copy, paste uh, kind of um, solution that gets put into the company. Um, another one that was really crucial and key is engaging your employees from the start, um, letting them know right from the beginning, even when you're just thinking about the communication of change as to the why are we doing it or, or, or collecting the data, let employees know, don't keep it away from them. Um, involving them in the change and the actual design, um, ask for feedback, what kind of things that they would want and, and need and desire. One uh, comical explana um, idea that comes to mind is when um, we were looking for ideas there. We were across three floors in Singapore and they wanted a fireman's pole as opposed to a staircase. Of course, that's not something that you can uh, um, physically implement into an office environment, but it was just the idea of listening to what employees wanted that, that was the, the biggest takeout. Um, and, and we know from, from research that engaged employees produce better business outcomes um, those that have more autonomy flexibility and choice um, mm. have more personal growth that leads to higher productivity and profitability and as we know higher produ productivity less uh, leads to less turnover and less absenteeism and so involving your employees from the start is is is, is so crucial mm. yeah no and i i think that uh, your lego journey was quite um a deep one as yes. well, right? <laughs> um, but tell me a bit, uh, I mean, listening to that, it would almost be like no reason for which companies would not be successful or even consider adopting ABW. But yet we sometimes hear people talking about, you know, activity-based working, it didn't work for them, it's just not suitable for them. Do you have any ideas as to why that might yes. be the case? Yes, definitely. I think that there's a lot of um, confusion around ABW from the beginning. Many people, and, and uh, you know, don't even know 
in a sense, ABW stands for activity-based working, but they get it mixed up with, with hot desking. There's a lot of research around open plan, and we all kind of pool all that data together. So I think there needs to be a clear understanding of ABW as opposed to the, the other terminologies that are out there. Another one which is crucial that I've now realized even more as working as a consultant for Faltoman and Company is that underestimating the deeper change that's involved in in transforming your organization, not only from a planning point of view in terms of budget and time and investment, but also as that what it means and, and the time frame that it requires. Um, and, and like I said earlier, it's not a cut, copy, paste uh, solution. Um, you can't just take one design and then implement that across uh, multiple different um, organizations. You have to really end up with a, a design that supports your work style for your organization. And every organization works differently. We have different percentages of concentrated work, flexible work, uh, technical work, and, and we need to be able to create a design that, that offers that choice for employees, and that's quite specific to, to your organization. Um, and last but not least, I mean, as we said earlier, uh, Asia is, is very fast moving and there's a lot of rotation of leadership as well. Um, this needs to not be a singularly driven desire. This needs to be a embeddedment of, of, of the desire, a common thought and purpose for the whole organization and so that even if your leadership does rotate that idea and that wish list is still there for the organization's continuity so I think uh, we're getting that indication that time's up Yolanda could you quickly summarize what our 15 minutes has been about yeah so I think um, few few pointers um, please keep in mind that ABW is not a solution it's a philosophy that is bringing really behavior, technology, and physical environment into uh, allowing people to work in a trusted, empowered way. Uh, that it requires supportive leadership uh, at all levels of the organization in some countries, but definitely uh, at the top level. Uh, that it requires quite a lot of trust, trust towards employees, trust towards your peers, trust also in yourself that you can actually do this and you can take accountability for your actions and for planning your days and weeks. Um, I couldn't stress enough about the combination of this is not something that real estate should drive, but it's a combination of real estate, IT, human resource and business that need to make this happen. This is not just a workplace design or an environment change. And last but not least, yes, it works in Asia too. Um, of course, putting in the context of every culture, but it's definitely something that works here too. Thank you. Thank you as well. This concludes this episode of What's Next. Want to record a podcast of your own? Have an idea or point of view you'd like to share? Visit cornetglobal.org to learn more.